This week, we're diving into the future of homes. The three henchmen of the American economy are education, healthcare, and construction. Now, construction and real estate have always been a pretty underrated topic in tech, but it's one of the markets that has an almost limitless TAM. The global stock of institutional-grade real estate is set to triple over the next 15 years, with some estimates pegging aggregate values at over $70 trillion. It was a pleasure to have Nick Donahue, co-founder and CEO of Atmos, on the show today. Atmos is creating a full end-to-end solution for consumers to build custom homes. In this conversation, we touched on a number of topics. COVID's effect on national real estate prices, how software allows you to vertically integrate in construction, building a business that deals with atoms, not just bits, and dismantling the myth that you need to be a home builder to provide consumers a 10x experience when purchasing homes. Nick, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks a ton for having me. Yeah, Nick, excited to have you on the show today. Um, you, have a, you have a pretty unique story. Uh, I want to dive into Atmos and your perspective on the future of home building and, and real estate pretty deeply. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit more about your background and how it led you to founding Atmos. Yeah, we'll do. Um, in, in terms of what we're actually doing, um, just to give some background to everyone who's here, um, we're creating a platform that handles the entire home building process all online. Um, so usually when you think about building a custom home or a home in general, uh, usually you go between all these different sites from Zillow for your land, some realtor for your land acquisition, architectural site or architect for floor plan and floor plan changes, um, and then house or Angie's List where you'll bet four or five different builders with really no understanding of what you're doing. So what we've done is pulled together all these different parts into a single managed marketplace that steps the customer through that entire journey from choosing their lot, picking the floor plan on the lot, understanding what works where, um, how much it will cost, and then who's going to build it on the back end. Um, and so with this, it allows you to get through this flow and at the end of it, actually check out the build that you want. Um, but to answer your question more on my background, um, there's kind of two sides of it. One is I've grown up around the space nearly my entire life. My dad built subdivisions for Dear Horton, the largest home builder in the U.S., and my mom um, worked for one of the largest supplying companies, uh, EC Supply. So I've been around the space uh, indirectly forever. Um, and then on the other side, I like love entrepreneurship. I've been doing this now for the last five years, since my first year of college, um, where I started my first startup. Um, and since then have now done, uh, this is my third. Um, so it's just kind of the merging of the two things that I love the most, um, entrepreneurship and the ability to create things that will change the world and, uh, what I've grown up around forever. And, and so let's talk about that, kind of what you've grown up around forever, right? And let's set the stage by talking about just what's going on in the state of real estate. I think one of the things, you know, as I, were, I was preparing for a discussion that was so eye-popping to me is the global stock of institutional-grade real estate is set to triple over the next 15 years. And, and some folks are estimating, you know, global values at upwards of $70 trillion. Now, that obviously includes not just home building, but but all real estate as well. But I think there's something interesting to that, which is we're seeing a massive increase in asset volume. There's already There already was a slew of complexity and change on the horizon in real estate, and that's only been exacerbated with COVID, right? Social migration, changing nature of cities, kind of all, all that, all those dynamics. Let's, let's kick off the dialogue just with the framing of how do you think about the state of real estate today? And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll tangibly apply that to home building and, and Atmos. Yeah, so... I, in general, like you had mentioned, there's this mass migration happening from SF and New York to a lot of these emerging markets. And it's creating this weird dynamic where you have like prices skyrocketing because of demand increases, 
as well as the job insecurity because of COVID causing people to take their homes off the market. So you have the demand increasing, supply decreasing, and a drastic rise in housing prices just for buying normally. Um, and so, I mean, we're hoping to help uh, provide an alternative for a lot of people. Um, but also on, on another side of that is you end up having an interesting, a lot of gentrifying areas with prices uh, skyrocketing so much, either tear down options or open lots becoming more enticing because you have, let's say a home being sold for 200 to $300 a square foot. And then the ability to build right next door for $150 a square foot um, allows uh, us to basically come into the space and give a normal buyer the ability to understand um, what they could build in a spot and, and take advantage of what usually a real estate investor would be doing, which is uh, taking advantage of that price discrepancy. Um, so in general, just COVID is really throwing everything into a whirlwind um, and causing prices to skyrocket people to move out of cities and single family homes to be more enticing as both investment properties, but also um, just for the individual as well. And so, and so talk about how that affects what you guys are building and how you think about building, right? So you've got this world, it's quickly changing. The transacting process and buying a house is still, you know, stuck in the same processes with the same tools of the last, you know, 30, 40 years. It's expensive, it's messy. There's not that much transparency. Um, talk a little bit more about how, you know, this, this landscaping kind of context is contributing to, to solving the problem that Atmos has set out to solve. Yeah, so I mean, there's two sides of it. Obviously, um, COVID is pushing a lot of things online and people are, are, are it's only accelerating what was already there. Um, so the fact that we're an online process and the ability to help builders bring their normal process online um, has both been enticing to buyers, but also the builders themselves. Um, but then as I just mentioned with more of the uh, investment property angle, uh, what we had noticed when uh, working with a few uh, investors was that in a lot of these gentrifying areas, as I mentioned, they had the ability to make like a 20% profit after working with us um, by flipping the home and selling it when it was built. Um, just because of that price discrepancy that most people that are not real estate investors don't understand. Um, and so we were, it got us thinking like, what if we could better present that um, to users and allow like the average um, home buyer to get a cheaper home rather than uh, an investor make the maximum amount of profit, which then would also help with a lot of skyrocketing prices in cities where usually they just continue to rise versus staying pretty steady. Because um, I, I think it's a problem that we see real estate and homes as more of an investment than like a store of value or like a stable asset. Um, so, yeah. I think one of the really interesting things, a part, the way of, uh, part of the way that you were just framing that is how, you know, when, when I think of the best products, right, and obviously these are generational companies and generational products, right, companies like Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, um, the, the commonality, regardless of what space you're in, is fundamentally at its core, they're taking an incredibly complex process and they're boiling it down to something that's super seamless and the experience is incredible, right? And when I think of Atmos at scale, right, insofar as it works out, it's that same concept, which is basically taking this like messy process of building a home uh, and especially, you know, taking the desire of wanting to build a custom home, but just having such a terrible experience with it and, and simplifying it down to its core. There are some underlying assumptions, right, in the business, right, in the model, in what's going on, so on and so forth, that even make this possible to execute against. I won't, I won't make you spill this secret sauce, Nick, but at a top level, right, how do you think about some of the underlying assumptions in the business that, you know, that make this possible to execute against, you know, now in, in 2020? 
Yeah, I mean, this is something we talked about right before we started, but um, there's, a, I think a big piece of it is the fact that you have all of these uh, different parties scattered out uh, and the changing of hands uh, a ton of times, it causes both the, the price of homes to be a lot more expensive than they need to be, but also um, there's this lack of data transparency throughout the entire process, um, whether that's from a pricing standpoint or the actual, like, what is doable where. So something that we're focused on is like, how do we basically vertically integrate uh, the data that is usually throughout this um, and understand, well, what can you actually build on a given lot based on different constraints, presenting those types of house plans to a given user, and then breaking apart that house plan into the different aspects of it, whether that's material breakdown, whatever it might be with on the back end, the ability for builders to now kind of give us more accurate pricing and update this entire system throughout it. So what the goal is and what um, we're hoping to do now is give enough data to a user that they can actually check out on, right when they're done configuring their house. So they choose their lot, they choose the shell of their home, their layout, and the, the actual style package. And with that, um, know the exact pricing, they know what is possible there and who's going to build it, and then they can just check out at the very end of that flow. Yeah, I think the technology side of that is really interesting. And that's when you were sharing kind of the demo before we started recording on that, it was super interesting because where my men went to was you know, we've started seeing these interesting businesses that required, they required a breakthrough, right? In, in some sort of technological development, whether it was, you know, spatial modeling, VR, AR, whatever it was, you know, to actually be built. Or like I was telling you before, you know, we're, my wife and I were going through furnishing our new house right now, and we're using Motsi, Um, and the experience has been incredible, right? I mean, for folks like us that are not like we're super visual, we're not the most like artistic folks in the world or, or interior design oriented folks. Um, and from design to furniture selection to order to install, it's been a, it's been a full end to end process. Talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the tech you guys are using or, or even just thinking of that starts to make this experience, you know, from a home building perspective, better and better. Yeah, I mean, as I just mentioned, the data transparency below the surface, um, allows us to do a lot of interesting things like you saw, like visualizing a home on the lot um, and the having photorealistic uh, interiors as well. Um, but something that we're hoping for more longer term is the ability to have like a at-home design scenario experience where maybe we ship you a VR headset um, and you get on at a certain time with one of our concierges or project managers and uh, then go through this kind of selection process uh, and that can actually walk through the home that you've designed um, so not only from a desktop perspective, the ability to visualize the home on the lot, walk through that through your screen, but then a, a headset being shipped to you to do those final selections where you are, are actually saying, okay, this is the home I'm going to live in because I can truly see it. Um, and I think that's something unlike buying and selling where you can actually just go look at the home in person and have a better, a better experience in person than you'll probably ever have online. Uh, building is not like that because especially with custom homes, uh, it's nearly impossible to have every home in existence um, that you can go and tour. And so uh, doing this online makes the most sense. And how do you think about, I, I want to I go a little bit more on, on that thread you were just uh, explaining, which is how do you think about and manage to what a quote unquote, like house of the future should be? And, and I've got a specific thought process in my mind. You know, one of the biggest opportunities I think that sits in building custom houses and kind of taking this concierge model end to end is just how much new technology we'll see in the home in the next 10 to 15 years. So you were explaining it, I think, from the perspective of, hey, we can ship you a VR headset and you can basically search through an infinite inventory 
to get you know exactly what you're looking for. I think there's another element of it too, which is if you look at existing homes, right? They're all getting retrofitted with new technology, but it's it's pretty janky, right? Like it's not built from the ground up in a way that really makes sense. And I think there's this underlying core of preferences of new home buyers that just isn't captured in existing inventory, right? Those consumers and, and you know, my wife and I were an example, my sister and brother-in-law just built a new house. You know, we were kind of the examples of consumers that want to build something new that's economical, not and, and the process wasn't terrible, not just for the sake of building something new, but really because if you look at existing inventory, both you know, from a layout perspective, a technology perspective, all of that the options on existing homes are to retrofit. Um, and it's kind of like putting a puzzle together that has chipped pieces as opposed to net new, you know, putting a brand new puzzle together. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. One of the things that we're looking to, at least from uh, more of the space perspective, um, is understanding like what uh, are the comps of a given area or what, what styles and layouts are popular in any given moment. Because um, as you said, like with, with most of them being just like homes that already exist, there's not much you can do to change at least the space itself. Um, and so our ability to say, okay, well, like we know like master bedrooms on the first floor are becoming extremely popular um, and can now offer the ability to create these layouts that um, are fitting the moment as well. Um, but from a more long-term like tech perspective, uh, something that you touched on with like ad hoc devices and more intelligent spaces, uh, I think you have a lot of companies coming to the space like Amazon, Apple, and Google that are trying to consume the home but they're doing it, like we just said, with these ad hoc devices, very disconnected experience. Um, and so one thing we're looking at is like, how do we uh, one day actually create a home in the future? And we think the biggest piece of that is uh, the introduction of compute into everything and um, making there be an actual brain to that home that is there from day one um, and devices that are integrated with that, that create a great experience. Because I think over the last 2000 years, you've seen like four fundamental shifts in spaces from the introduction of aqueducts in the Roman times to um, the HVAC system for air, the electrical system, um, the data system, and now we think it'll be a compute system um, that'll be as fundamental as water, electricity, air, uh, and data. Um, and so with that, we think more intelligent spaces will exist. Uh, and then finally, hopefully with the introduction of AR long-term, um, the ability to actually interact with these spaces and view intelligence onto things. And then when you put, uh, so I like that framing a lot and it gets my mind going in a slightly different direction, which is once you have, let's say you do have compute on the equivalent standards of like electricity, water, et cetera. What is that? What are the implications then for the evolution of Atmos, right? Like I, I can see a couple different permutations that come off of that, which is if you're basically the operating system for the home at its core, um, there sorts to be, there start to be all sorts of different services up and down the stack that you guys can extend into right so one way to think about it would be you know what other pieces in the transaction process can you cover and it, and it might be you know post home build out right so things like mortgages title management escrow etc um and then a second bucket is uh, you know a, a whole litany of additional services that that also candidly could be after the fact or before the fact but things like you know ongoing home maintenance etc how do you think about that analogy and construct of compute or Atmos as the operating system really for these homes into, you know, what additional services or, or directions that you guys could continue to evolve the business into? Yeah, touching on like more of the latter points, um, something that's been super exciting for us is uh, knowing that like the home is the gateway into your entire life. 
um, the ability to uh, productize and service every aspect past that point um, has definitely been super exciting for where the business goes in 30, 40, 50 years and onwards. Um, and so something that we've thought about as well as uh, we just touched on, like when, when you start to automate different aspects of, of someone's life, let's say the ability to uh, replenish your fridge on the fly, um, either you can integrate obviously with a company like Instacart or it allows us to create our own services and infrastructure around those things because we are the ones that are handling that. Um, so long-term, uh, even past that point, I think what, what we wanna get to like probably 20, 30 years from now um, is this concept of like networked living where you're paying more of a like general rent or fee on a monthly basis uh, that is servicing every aspect of your life, not like you have a thousand uh, subscription services for every little thing that you're doing. Um, and the ability to then from that go and uh, move free, like freely between the network of homes that exist um, and uh, make a more fluid living experience. It makes a ton of sense because just <laughs> in setting up our new home, we, I mean, the number of ad hoc services we have is, is getting to be a little bit ridiculous. And we've, my wife and I have talked about this a ton where we're like, you know, if there's one company and ideally, you know, not like a, a physical project manager or anything, but just from a, from a software perspective where all this stuff could be completely automated and it synced into one, uh, how much easier, you know, would that be? It, it, it gets me to a kind of slightly different place also, which is, um, I think operating the, I have to imagine operating the business right now um is unique given the times right and especially what you guys are doing right building homes and there's a counter cyclical and kind of a cyclical effect that you know relates to the economy and such as well um but the first before we dive a little bit in deeper into that the first question i have is how do you think about the challenge of creating you know this is your third startup how do you think about the challenge of creating a product which intertwines software in the physical world as opposed to just software. I don't know, Nick, if your prior startups were just in software, but it's always interesting to me to talk to either founders that are foraying from software into hardware for the first time, or, you know, doing something even, even more deeply entrenched in the physical world, like, you know, building homes. Yeah. So I think the most important piece that at least we've come to realize is the visualization experience, the ability to actually see and understand what you're doing in the real world. Um, uh, it's really hard for someone to imagine and get comfortable with building a home just purely because it's the biggest purchase of their life and they don't even get to see it before it's done. Um, that's a qu quite a scary experience, which is why track builders do so well. They have their model home so you can go walk through and be like, cool, I know what I'm getting. Um, but imagine just like blindly ordering something online that is going to live with you for the next 30 years. Um, so on that end, um, we found that to be the most important, but in terms of us having done software or hardware before this, um, actually we had pivoted into this idea roughly 10 or 11 months ago. And prior to this, we were working on this, uh, open source VR headset, um, which leads a lot into what we're doing now. But the idea was this concept called the spatial web, which one day we thought that the web would function, um, physical basis would function more like domains and websites and headsets would function like browsers. And as you're kind of walking through the world, you're entering these spaces um, that uh, function like a, a website. Uh, so we've, getting back on track, we've done hardware before with the actual headsets um, and then software uh, with my past startups and partially with that platform that we were creating. Um, and so it's all kind of merged into this experience 
which uh, has gone over pretty well, especially with the visualization side of things. And so there's there's always there's a component when you're operating the business, which is kind of this hardware or physical component when you're thinking about the actual product itself, right, which is building, you know, an individual house. There's the other element of complexity that comes into place, which is managing um, managing basically the operations of this type of business at scale um, when there's multiple components. So what I mean by that is the actual, you know, financing of the business. I want you to talk a little bit more about that, Nick, in terms of, you know, just the complexity and how you think about that, because, you know, on, on one hand, you're, you know, you're building the best data set in the world. You're in advantageous position at scale to price and build really with the highest value prop in, in mind. Uh, but to get to that stage, it, it requires building a lot of houses and, and financing the build out of houses is, is very different than the prototypical financing of, you know, a normal software startup. So talk a little bit more about that concept, but then also specifically, how do you think about balancing, you know, sources of financing and, and structures of financing with just overall, you know, like prudent risk management to operate the business? Yeah, I mean, un unlike our competitors, um, we don't actually take on the complexity of the build itself. Like we, we have a managed marketplace, we partner with localized builders, and then we have our project manager and a little bit of um, things like uh, third party uh, uh, inspectors that'll go out and check on the site. But for the most part, uh, we don't take on the actual operational complexity on anything past the, and the initial selection process. So prepping for permitting, getting the plans uh, engineered and such. And so this makes us extremely asset light. Um, and so there's not a lot of upfront costs that we have to worry about or take on when it comes to uh, the build. Um, and so with that, uh, there's not a ton of risk about whether or not like it happens um, or whatever that might be. So um, it, even even in a recessionary period, it's it's not like we're having like a normal builder to take out the loans ourselves, front the cost, and um, have that like payback period within that. What's changed in both from an acceleration and and a deceleration uh, perspective? in in the business because of COVID, right? Are there any underlying shifts of permanence you've seen that, that retools the way you, you think about operating the company? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the, the aspect that we talked about already, which is like everything moving online. Um, and uh, we've seen a shift in the types of people that are looking to build um, from your traditional um, DIYer that's looking to do a custom home to more of uh, these people migrating slash techies who are uh, looking to go from either their first home rental or other uh, millennials that are finally reaching the age of building um, that want to do something online. They want to, they, they, they don't want to do the no normal in-person process. Um, so uh, in general, the, the biggest shift has been uh, more people being willing to build online and then to uh, a lot more techies get moving to these emerging markets. Nick, as we round out the conversation, I'm going to ask you kind of the famed Peter Thiel question of truth and belief, but I, I want to do it as applied to obviously the space you're in, which is home building. What's the one truth about home building you believe that others would disagree with you on? You do not need to be the builder to create a 10x better experience. Um, I think in general, we, we think that you just need data transparency throughout the entire stack. I think that goes for a lot of industries, but most people believe to get that data transparency, you have to be that person doing it. 
Um, but I think we've found with a lot of platforms like Amazon and such, you don't actually have to be the ones creating that given thing um, to understand how what the market dynamics are and what um, you can do to create a better experience. I love that. That's a really good insight. Well, Nick, it was it was a it was a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, we were talking about it a bit before, also as well. I really believe in what you guys are building, and it's going to be it's going to be really interesting and save a lot of people. I think a lot of headache uh, in in building their homes in the future. So excited to see how the business and the company continues to shake out. Thanks a ton. Thanks a ton for having me.